Well, today I want to continue this talk on anonymity. We've been talking about being anonymous in church and how you can come to church but not be known in the church. It's possible to kind of hide out in the crowd. And, and that's not what God wants for you. He wants you to be connected. And so today I want to talk about reproducing Jesus. Reproducing Jesus. To reproduce is defined to imitate, to copy, or to make a close representation of the original. Now, we know that there's no one like Jesus, is there? No, I mean, he alone is God, the son of God, the king of kings. He is amazing. But we're called to try to be like him, to imitate him, to reproduce him as the Holy Spirit enables us to do so. And that's what we want to do is reproduce Jesus and not just see that happen in our own lives, but also be a part of helping that happen in one another's lives. Amen. Here's 2 Timothy, where Paul is writing to Timothy, who is his spiritual son. He says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now you read that he's talking to his son, Timothy. He's not his biological son. He's a spiritual son. Paul brought Timothy to Jesus. Paul taught Timothy about Jesus. And now he is instructing his spiritual son in how to serve the Lord and, and what he should do in his new position of leadership as the leader of the church of Ephesus. Timothy is the, the pastor of the church of Ephesus. And he's saying, I want you to train and teach other people who can pass on what you learn from me. I want you to reproduce, to reproduce. How many of you remember the first command in the Bible? The first command. It's one of my favorites. God said to Adam, be fruitful and multiply. I don't know a lot of Bible verses, but I know that one. Amen. And all God's people said, amen. And so Adam was charged with the command to multiply physically, which is awesome, and reproduce children. But then we see in the scriptures that Jesus came as the new and better Adam, a new prototype. And Jesus also reproduces. And he was calling us to reproduce. When he called his disciples, he was reproducing in them what would be necessary for them to build the kingdom of God. Jesus, who never had physical children, he reproduced many spiritual children, didn't he? You and I are also charged with the reproduction of Jesus and other people. We want to multiply the kingdom of God. We want to train other people to pass on what we've learned. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We're reproducing. I wanna reproduce what he's doing. Spiritual reproduction is something that you're never too old for. Even when you're long past childbearing years. You're never too old for spiritual reproduction, are you? You're also never too young for spiritual reproduction. You can reproduce. You might have been saved just a few days ago or a few months ago or even a few hours ago. There's someone who's spiritually younger than, the, than you. 
And you can help that person grow in his or her walk with God. Spiritual reproduction is not something that you always feel ready for, is it? Just like physical reproduction. Some of you found out you were dads and almost passed out. Found out, I'm going to be a father? I'm not ready for this. And you broke out in cold sweat, right? And you said, like, I can barely pick up my own underwear off the floor and feed myself. I'm not ready to take care of a child, a human being. You're not, it's not something you become ready for. It's just something you start doing, isn't it? And as you do it, you get better at it. It's the same with spiritual reproduction. It's not something you, you graduate from a college and get a degree in. It's not something you get a certification in. It's just something you do. Andrew, when he was called to follow Jesus, the very same day he went and found Simon. He said, I found the Messiah. Come and follow uh, him and, and see for yourself. Uh, and, and Andrew didn't get any training on how to evangelize or to win people to Jesus or share his testimony. He just did it. He just went and found someone and brought that person to Jesus. You might not feel ready to reproduce, but if you know Jesus, that's your mission. That's your purpose. And it is a mission. It's a mission. Paul said to Timothy, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus a soldier. And we're not soldiers in a militant way. We're not like the jihadists. Not that kind of soldier. We're another type of soldier. We're, we're soldiers on a life and death mission. Like our Savior who came to seek and save the lost. We are part of this rescue mission. Search and rescue, baby. That's what we're here to do. To seek and save the lost alongside our king and leader, Jesus. We want to see people come to know him and experience the life that he has. We wanna reproduce Jesus and other people. It is a mission. And we're not called to a Christian club. We're not called to a country club where we come on Sundays and are entertained. I don't know if you realize that. This isn't a place you come to be entertained, to be served. It's a place you come to serve. It's a place you come to sacrifice. Church is something that we do and it's who we are. And, and like Paul said to Timothy, we might even endure suffering together. But that's okay because I never thought I was signing up for a country club. I thought I was enlisting in an army on a mission. And we're willing to sacrifice and do whatever it takes in order to reach people. If you don't like that idea, if you aren't into biblical New Testament Christianity, you are not going to like this church. You're going you're gonna to think, I don't like this place. Let's not go back there. The pastor is always asking me to do stuff, and give, and sacrifice. What about me? What about you? <laughs> You matter, but your purpose is not to be self-centered. It's to reach people on this mission that God has called us to and reproduce. So who reproduces? Who reproduces? Who reproduces? Um, maybe you think the answer is a, a Christian reproduces. Well, it's kind of a trick question. The answer is the Holy Spirit reproduces. We're only saved, we only believe because 
The Holy Spirit enabled us to believe. The Holy Spirit is the one who called our hearts to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one who transformed our hearts and changed our desires. He is the one that caused our spiritual life to flourish and grow. And, and even when you hear a pastor like preach a message and you think, oh, that message really helped me grow, it was still the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that inspired the words of God, which any sermon is founded on. The Holy Spirit is the one that that led those words to impact and penetrate your heart and transform the way you think. No human being can reproduce Jesus. The Holy Spirit reproduces Jesus. So the fact that you believe in Jesus Christ is a testament that the Holy Spirit of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is alive and working in you. So the Holy, the Holy Spirit reproduces, but how? How does he do it? The answer is community. He uses community to reproduce. Community is where reproduction happens, church. Community. Not individually. It's together that we grow to be who God has called us to be. Community reproduces strong and stable, faith-filled, grace-giving, truth-telling, lost-loving, gospel-living followers of Jesus. And that is what this church is reproducing and what the Holy Spirit wants to reproduce in you and help you to reproduce in others. That's what we all wanna be. I wanna be strong and stable. Grace-filled, faith-filled. I want to be truth-telling. I want to be someone that speaks the truth at all times, not afraid of the, of the truth, not trying to be politically correct, um, willing to speak the truth. It's because the truth is what sets us free. We need to know that the Bible says there is only one way to be saved. We need to know that the Bible says that we're all sinners, that we're not naturally good people. We're naturally sinful people who need a savior. And so we need to know that, but we also give grace and we also tell people, hey, there's a way to be saved. You can be saved and that God loves loves you and he wants to show his favor and he wants to bless you and we want to love the lost. We want to keep ourselves mindful that this world is filled with people who need Jesus. Just because we got on the lifeboat, it doesn't mean we just row away into the sun. We want to bring as many people with us as possible and we want to live the gospel. I want to be gospel living. I want people to see Jesus at the center of your life in everything you do, in your workplace, in your classroom, when you're with your your friends barbecuing in your backyard. That's a gospel life I want them to see. I want them to see Jesus reproducing himself in your life. Strong and stable, faith-filled, grace-giving, truth-telling, lost-loving, gospel-living followers of Jesus. How many of you want to be that kind of person? And God will use people to develop this in you. The Holy Spirit builds, but people are his tools. He uses people. It says in Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. It's people that come along that the Holy Spirit uses to chisel at your life and to help you grow, become sharper as a follower of Jesus, sharper in your faith. That's why I want you to join a life group, and that's why I talk about it. It's not because I, I want to fill your schedule with extracurricular activities. 
This isn't a cruise director up here trying to encourage you to participate in our fun and games, okay? I want you to be that kind of person, that strong and stable person filled with faith and removing yourself from community. It removes the tools from the master craftsman's hands. He wants to shape you and you need to be around other people to grow. It's amazing how God will use people to shape and mold you and to, to help you grow. But if you remain anonymous, you'll miss out on that. If you, if you don't connect to other people, if you stay isolated, you will not grow. You will not grow into the person you could be. You will not. When you think about all the times in your life when you've grown spiritually, when you had a significant season of spiritual growth, I guarantee you were with people. You were with someone in a group. You were at a camp. You were in a church service. You were talking to another believer. God did something. Someone said something to you. We, we can grow and the Holy Spirit can speak to our hearts individually, but God always uses people to help us reach our full potential. I don't want you to be in a life group to be a good Christian. I'm not trying to help you win your life group merit badge. I just want you to be strong and stable, faith-filled, grace-giving, truth-telling, loss-loving, gospel-living as a follower of Jesus. So let's talk about those things and let's flesh that out a little bit and how community helps us do that. The Holy Spirit uses community to reproduce strength. There really is strength in numbers. There's just something about a stool that when it has three legs, it becomes stable. A two-legged stool, not very helpful. A one-legged stool, never seen it. You're stronger together. It said in verse one, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. What do you see there? You see that we become strong through Jesus and we stay strong together. That's right, you become strong through the grace that comes through Jesus. But then he called Timothy, endure along with me in suffering, stick with me. Paul wrote this to Timothy when he was in prison. If you've never been in prison for being a Christian, it might be kind of hard to imagine what that would be like. Some of you ha would say, man, it's just hard to go to church on Sunday and, and I just, I just like to get so busy and you know, it's like I, I do things I don't wanna do. It's hard being a Christian, it's hard. It's hard being a Christian and people make fun of me. It's really hard. <laughs> Imagine being imprisoned, imprisoned for your faith. And he was probably discouraged. He was probably kind of bummed thinking, God, why'd you let this happen to me? And so he writes to his friend, hey, endure with me. Stick with me. I'm in a tough spot, but I could get through it if I know that I'm not alone. Being with other people will keep you strong. I don't want to just be strong, though. I want to be stable. I want to be, it's possible to be strong and unstable. You can be strong without stability. I want you to be strong and stable. Stable. Stableness leads to consistency. And consistency will bear more fruit in your life than any gifting or luck or anything. Consistently, you just keep planting seeds. You keep breaking soil. You keep watering. You just keep doing it. You keep loving the same woman. You keep loving those kids. You just keep going to work. 
consistency. You keep reading your Bible. You keep going to church. You keep fellowshipping with other believers. It's consistency, consistency, consistency. If I keep talking about Jesus, eventually you'll get it. Consistency. I want to be like my grandpa who has been married to the same woman for 59 years. Been loving Jesus consistently, working hard and providing for his family. I want that kind of stableness, but that stableness comes in community. You need people to encourage you. You need other couples who you can look to and, and see another godly example of marriage. You need another man in your life who can speak into you and say, hey man, let me show you how you're kind of missing the mark as a husband. I've got some encouragement for you. I can, I can help you with this area. It's a blind spot. You need other women who can, who can encourage you and, and help you to love your husband and your children. You need to do it and you need to do it together with other people. Otherwise, you won't be stable. Stable. I want you to be strong and stable. You need people in your life like that. In community, when you're known, it will help your marriage. Those of you who are married, I'm talking to you. I want to help your marriage. That's why I want you to be in a life group. I have found very often that couples who divorce first disappear. They disappear and then I find out they're divorced. Not always, of course, but, uh, but often I'll say, whatever happened to that? Oh, oh. It's because together, when you're in community, it brings stability and strength into all aspects of your life. Ecclesiastes 4.12 is a verse we've read recently in the past couple months, but it says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Two can stand back to back and conquer. I want someone to have my six. You need someone covering your blind spot. You can't see everything. You might be really sharp. You might be a great follower of Jesus who's learning and growing, but you don't see everything. You need someone else speaking into your life who has your back. You need someone else watching you when you're weak. You need someone else picking you up when you fall. That's why you need community. That's why you need people to come into your life and say, bro, I got you right now. I can tell that you're struggling, but don't worry. I got you. And three's even better. Three. Oh man, then you're getting strong. I, I'm grateful for you guys. I'm great. I love you. I love that we can do this together. Because, you know, by myself, I couldn't do it. By myself, the enemy might attack and defeat and overwhelm. Like, you know, if I go out into this world, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some people that want to fight me. I can be obnoxious at times. Like, I can tell the truth sometimes in a way that people don't want to hear it. So if I was in Fry's one day and someone tried to pick a fight with me and they wanted to punch me in the nose in the checkout line, I wouldn't be that surprised. But nobody's going to walk in here and pick a fight with me when you're all here. So I love you. There's strength in numbers. My life group's got my back. The Holy Spirit uses community to reproduce faith. I want you to be filled with faith. And people influence people. Groupthink is something that sociologists talk about, where a group can influence the way that individuals think. That's why you get angry mobs, because people get angry or they get upset and it kind of spreads, it's contagious, but the same thing can happen in a positive way. A group, a body of believers can reproduce faith in other believers. 
We see an example of this in scripture in Romans chapter one. It says, for I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. Together we encourage one another in faith. Some people have the spiritual gift of faith. One of the things that Corinthians talks about is the spiritual gift of faith. That's a supernatural, um, lasting confidence in the promises of God. You might know someone about like, who, who's like this, who just, they trust God. It doesn't matter what storms of life come their way. They're like, man, I trust God. He's faithful. And you're over there crying in the corner and weeping. And they're like, God is in control. That's the supernatural gift of faith. My mama is like that. My mama, I love my mama, right? Like she's just consistent, that gift of faith. And you might have a friend like that in your life group, but even just being together at all with other people who have faith in Jesus, their faith will encourage your faith. Because we know that there are times, there are seasons where you don't necessarily see God working in your life. There are times that you might ask, God, what are you doing in my life right now? I feel uneasy, I feel unsettled, I can sense that you're doing something but I don't know what. Where are you? I feel like I hit the mute button, I feel discouraged, I've been wrestling with some doubts, I've been feeling weak. Has anyone else ever felt like that? Okay, not just me, good. The 930 service acted like I had a, a horn growing out of my head. But see, even when you don't sense God working in your life, there will always be someone in your community who you can see God working in their life. And you can see how God is transforming them, how God is encouraging her, how he has been uh, rescuing a person from addiction or uh, restoring a marriage or teaching a new Christian to enjoy prayer and Bible reading. And you'll go, wow, okay, I see God is still working. God is still moving. He, he's doing things. I've seen him, I've seen him be doing things and other people. So I know, okay, I know he's still there. I'm not alone. I'm not, I'm not crazy. How many of you have ever, ever seen a miracle or witnessed a miracle? Anybody? Okay, and, and that's really good for me to know when I need a miracle. I might, know, I might know that I need God to do something, but I might doubt that he can do something. But when I look and I see, oh wait, here, here are some other people who, who've seen God do miracles. It encourages my faith and it reproduces your faith in me. And so that's why you need community because the Holy Spirit will use it to reproduce faith. The Holy Spirit uses community to reproduce generosity. If you wanna be more like God, you've gotta to learn to give. It says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it incredible that God gave? That is really, the point of this verse, it's not that God loved, it's that God gave. If God loved you but never gave, we'd still be on our way to hell. It's because he gave his son that our sins could be paid for and we could be washed clean and come into a restored relationship with Jesus. And we have to be in community in order to grow in generosity. I can prove it. You cannot give alone. Giving is a team sport. There's got to be someone to receive. 
right? It's impossible. I can have on my own. I can find on my own. I can lose on my own, but I cannot give on my own. And generosity happens in community. God, he gave his son so that we could be saved. We didn't save ourselves. Jesus gave his life for us. And and community brings about generosity in us. It's impossible to be in community and not become generous. Every time you stop talking and listen to someone else, you're being generous. Especially if you like to talk like me. Every time you prioritize someone else before yourself, You're being generous. You cannot give alone. And isn't it awesome how generosity is contagious? It is. It's contagious. That's why fundraisers always happen with groups of people. Right? Because someone starts being generous and giving and other people are like, yeah, me too. Like we we saw in that video, uh, a community, a life group that was generous and together they pooled together to help someone in need. It's contagious. Generosity happens in community. And if you're struggling to grow in the area of generosity, and I I know some of us struggle with this. I did too when I started following Jesus. Being with other believers in community will help you in this area. Maybe right now you're like, not so sure I wanna grow in that area. Well, you need to. Because you're called to reproduce Jesus, all right? And when you're with someone else in community who's like, man, let me tell you, I've been tithing my whole life and God has been faithful. It's a privilege to give to God because he first gave his son to me. He gave his son for us. And you can, you can testify to that and other people's uh, generosity and faith will encourage you. The Holy Spirit uses community to reproduce understanding, Learning rarely happens alone. Usually there's someone else involved who has more wisdom or more knowledge, who is teaching you and instructing you and helping you grow and understanding. Understanding will help us in so many ways as believers. You want to understand. You want to know the truth and how it applies to your life. That's why you're listening to me talk right now. And that's why Paul said to Timothy, now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Not just that you need to gain knowledge, but you need to gain knowledge and understanding in a way that you can also teach it to other people who can understand it in a way that they can pass it on to other people. What is happening? Reproduction is happening. And that happens in community. You you need other people in your life so that you can say, Bro, that sermon on Sunday, I didn't quite get what he meant. Can you tell me, can, help, me help me understand this? And, and isn't it awesome how other people will help us grow in our faith and in our understanding? And they'll share and they'll teach and they'll, they'll give us wisdom and they'll give us insight. And God will use you uh, to help other people grow in understanding. We don't want to excuse ourselves from this learning process. Why do we know that our kids need spiritual education, but then we so often excuse ourselves from the process when we grow into adulthood? You grow in understanding in life group. It's not a classroom, but in, in that setting with other Christians and you have opportunities to talk through what you're learning and what you're reading, you will grow in understanding of who God is. You need a Paul in your life. Who is your Paul? Who is encouraging you? and challenging you and helping you grow in understanding. You're never too mature 
You never graduate from the need for a Paul until you finish this life and receive your glorified body. You're never quite going to be there. You need a Paul. Who's your Paul? You need someone that knows you, who knows you and can help you grow. And you need a Timothy. Who's your Timothy? Who are you encouraging? Who are you challenging? Who are you building up? You might think, well, I'm not ready for a Timothy. I'm not ready. I, I don't even know what I'm doing yet. I, I don't know. I don't even understand any of this stuff. I just got saved last week at church on Sunday. And you're trying to get me to start mentoring a Timothy. Well, guess what, man? There's going to be someone that gets saved today who you will be able, you will be more experienced than, and you can help. God's given you insights and gifts. You need a Paul and you need a Timothy. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit uses community to reproduce gospel living. It's together with real, broken, messy people that we experience the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It helps remind us that our purpose and our mission is to reach the lost. It's not a holy club of, of saints. It's, it's a mission. It's a team. It's, a, it's an army of people who want to reach the lost. And we remember how it was like when we were far from God. It wasn't that long ago for some of you, was it? You're far from God and you felt hopeless but then when you found Jesus, you experienced his life-changing power and you've experienced growth in so many unexpected ways. And when you're in community with other people, you're constantly reminded of that because you're constantly seeing other people growing in their faith. And you see the gospel being uh, worked out in people's lives that, that we don't follow Jesus um, through our perfection and our good deeds, but through his grace. And, and we live in that forgiveness that he's already given us. And it gives us confidence to boldly come into God's presence week after week, day after day. And it's the gospel alive in us that there's a hope in, in, in spite of any circumstances. I know that God is in control and he's working this together for good. It's together that we see this gospel living play out. We love the lost. We want to seek them out so that Jesus can save them and we can welcome them and love them as a part of our church family. It happens in community. And, and that's the difference between religion and Jesus. Religion says you better behave and then you better believe what we believe and then you can belong to our club. Jesus says you can belong and, I, and you'll believe, and then you'll become the person I want you to be. See the difference? Religion wants you to behave. That's talking about what you do. But Jesus wants you to become. He wants you to become. That's who you are. He wants to change who you are. And the great thing is that's a journey, and it's a process, and it takes time. But in the process of becoming more like Jesus, you can already belong to his body, to his family, to his people. You can belong. Jesus went to eat with sinners and tax collectors and he did not show up with a list of the behaviors he disapproved of. He just showed up loving people and teaching them about the love of God. I love being a part of a church where you can belong before you believe. You can here. You can come into church. Some of you came today. And you're like, I don't even believe half of this. 
That's all right. I'm glad you're here. You might be uh, in the middle of a gay relationship. I'm glad you're here. You might've got high on Friday and you're here on Sunday watching us get high on Jesus. I'm glad you're here. And I believe that if you keep coming, eventually you'll see enough evidence that you'll begin to believe. You'll believe. And then as you believe, the Holy Spirit will reproduce Jesus in you and you'll become more like him. The gospel of Jesus Christ plays out beautifully in a parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15. He talks about a father who had two sons, an older son and a younger son. And the younger son came to him and said, Father, I want my share of my inheritance before you die, which is not really cool to ask your dad for that. And, and so his dad gave it to him and he left home and he went off into a far land and he partied and he lived crazy and he was really popular. He, you're always popular when you're the one buying drinks. But then it says that his money ran out and about the same time a famine swept through the land and he lost everything and no one would give him anything. And so he went to a local farmer and asked to be hired on to feed the pigs, which is a real low point for a Jewish boy. And he was out in the fields feeding pigs and the pig slop started to look good to him. He was so hungry and he started to crave it. And he came to his senses, the Bible says. He came to his senses. Like many of you, you were far from God, but you came to your senses at some point. The young man, he, he said, even my father's employees eat better than this and they have food left over to spare. Here's what I'll do. I'll go home to my father and I'll tell him, father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but won't you at least just hire me on as a worker in your fields so I can earn some food to eat. And that's what he did. He left. He started to travel home. And then it says that the father saw him still a long way off in the distance and he recognized him and his heart was filled with love and compassion and he started to run to his son and he embraced him and he hugged him and he kissed him and the son started to to give his dad the speech he had prepared i'm no longer worthy to be your son and i've sinned and the dad didn't even acknowledge his little speech he just said to his servants, go into the house and get the finest robe and put it on my son's shoulders and get my ring and put it on his hand and get my sandals and put them on his feet. My son was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. And some of you are like that young son who was far from God, living your own way seeking adventure and thrills and looking for things to fill you up, but you found that they left you empty and hungry. But you came home to Jesus. You came home to your father. And some of you are like the older brother in the parable. The parable says that there was an older brother. He was out in the fields working and he started to come in for the night. And as he got closer to home, he heard the party and the dancing in the house. It was like boots, 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 boots. And he's like, what's going on? And one of the servants told him, yo, man, your younger brother is home and your dad is having a barbecue. And the son was mad. The older brother was mad and he wouldn't go inside. And the dad came outside and he said, what are you, what are you doing? And, and the older brother said, what, why are we celebrating this idiot younger brother of mine? He went and wasted his inheritance. All these years I've been here serving you faithfully and you never gave me a barbecue. But the father said to the older brother, your son, your brother was 
dead, but now he's alive. He, he was lost, but now he's found. This is something we've got to celebrate. Come inside. And this is some of you. I, I think some of you might be like the older brother. And maybe you're, you're standing on the outside of what God is doing. And, and maybe for different reasons, you're, you're upset. Maybe, maybe you're, I, I, even, I even believe there are some Christians who might be here who, who would say, why are we always talking about lost people finding Jesus? What about me? I've been saved. And the father is saying, hey, we got to celebrate. You've always been with me. You've always been by my side. Everything I have is yours. But these people were lost and, and now they're found. And he's saying, come inside, come inside to the party. I believe for every single one of us, God is calling us to come home and to come inside. Come into community, come and join into the celebration of what God is doing. Don't be on the outskirts any longer. Come in and celebrate and get to know people and, and, and celebrate, participate in what God is doing and offer yourself and your gifts and, and everything that you have for your King, Jesus, so that he can be known by other people in the community and that he would shine through this dark world that we live in with his light so that people would see there's hope, there's a better way. Come home or come inside. I want to ask you to bow your heads. Maybe you're here and you'd say, man, I need to come home. I, I've been far from God and I've been messing up and doing all kinds of stuff and getting myself into trouble and I'm embarrassed about what I've done and I don't even know if God could accept me, but I do know that I want to I wanna find a better way. I want to know God and I want to experience his love and compassion. You can today. If you wanna come home to the Father, he makes it possible through the Son, Jesus, that through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, your sins have been forgiven when you place your faith in him and acknowledge that he is Lord. When you say, I'm gonna follow you, Jesus, and lay everything else aside, you experience what the Bible calls salvation. Salvation from the punishment that we all deserved. And then when we say we're gonna follow Jesus, doesn't mean we're gonna be perfect. Well, we live in grace. We're saved by grace. God's favor, which covers over our sins, that we're saved and we receive an inheritance and we're adopted into God's family, even though we don't deserve it. This is the good news. And you can experience this and receive this gift of salvation today. If you want to, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer just to express what's in your heart. I'm gonna invite you to pray it with me between you and God. Just say, God, I know that I've sinned and I've been far from you, but I wanna come home. And so I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And I believe that he rose again on the third day to give me victory over sin and death. And now I'm placing my faith in him from this day forward. I'm not walking alone any longer. I want to be in community with you, God. In your name I pray. Amen. If you pray that prayer on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, God loves you. Two, there's nothing better than going home. Three, just shoot your hand up as a way of saying, I pray that prayer. Awesome, you guys. That's so great. That's amazing. Anyone else to say, that's me. I prayed that prayer today.